Ross has raccoons now. So cheers to Ross's raccoons. Ross has raccoons now. End of tweet. That's mm-hmm. it. That's yep. the whole. That's thing. all you get. Okay. Nothing else. He's got them. We appreciate them. I'll cheers to that. Raccoons. Ross, put in, a, put in a glass sound effect. Or a raccoon Yeah, I can't. I, my hands are full with my raccoon. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And this is the Mix 6, where we drink six beers, have six conversations, and rate them on a five-point scale. Um, If you're listening to this, you're probably the alien civilization that comes next. And if you are, I hope that our story was better than the film AI, which was (laughs) extremely disappointing. In fact, if you find a physical media copy of AI in... Whatever the wasteland looks like, maybe just skip that one and um, go see something like a Fast and the Furious movie. Probably more representative of our like culture archaeologically as well. So, at a minimum, a more enjoyable way to you could probably watch three Fast and the Furious films in the time it's going to take you to watch AI, and mm-hmm, you'll like mm-hmm. at least one of them more. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, we have no pre-party. The party's over. Uh, and we're, we're still here. Um, but we've got a rating system because some things are immutable, uh, like entropy. So Spencer, what is our rating system this week? Well, if you've never listened to the mix six podcast before, then you're about to learn that on each episode, we try six different beers and we rate those beers on a five point scale. And that five point scale changes every episode, given that we've now done 2 million episodes that means that we have rated 2 million different sets of beers differently at this point. So pretty impressive. Don't forget to tell your friends about it. Uh, in this episode, we'll be rating beers on a rating system that I've developed in honor of a recent distinction granted to my wife. We'll be rating beers based on captains. So in our five-point rating system, a one counterintuitively is the worst kind of captain, or in this case, the worst kind of beer that you'd never want to drink again. And a five is the best kind of captain or a beer that is absolutely blown your mind in all the right ways. So we'll start a one. If we drink an absolutely terrible beer this episode, we'll be calling it a Captain Morgan. Mm, Look, man. Far too low. It's not great, but it's a two. (laughs) It's not a one. Okay, here's my argument. It's not about the beverage per se. Um, I don't care for rum. I don't care for Captain Morgan. It's more about what Captain Morgan as a character has inspired, particularly for douchey males to do at parties for the last 15 years. Uh, there is almost nothing more expected and annoying. Than so it's not the based on taste alone. It's based on that, the pose. Okay. That's exactly right. It, okay, it, it, it is the general douchery that comes with the guy who's gotten drunk for the first time in front of his friends and puts his leg up as if to say, look at me, I am drunk. So, no, no, thank you. Stop that. Choose a different icon. And frankly, drink something else. Okay. A2. Uh, A captain and a beer that is slightly better than a one, not the worst thing you've ever had, but you certainly wouldn't want to go back for this captain. It's Cap'n Crunch. Now, listen. In terms of cereal, Cap'n Crunch is fine, and it probably wouldn't be rated so low on a cereal-based rating system, which I'm sure we've done, and if we've not done, I'm sure we'll do in the future, and I'm sure... I don't know. When was the last time you ate Cap'n Crunch, man? Um, uh, 
years ago. Captain Crunch is like freebasing sugar. Like what Jimi <laughs> Hendrix supposedly did with his headband and heroin, like yeah. that is what Captain Crunch does to your mouth. It just slices it open and then you absorb it as you bleed. So Which that's... sometimes is the only thing that'll get you there. But it's a it is a niche case, is what I'm so saying. So you've actually identified I, I I remember liking the taste of Captain Crunch okay. It was the immediate dentist visit that I had yeah, there's to take a, after eating Cap'n Crunch. The taste is great. The aftermath, not so much. That's right. Uh, and a to, cereal shouldn't have an aftermath, arguably. No, you have to buy Cap'n Crunch in 10 packs. And actually, the 10th pack is just oral surgery. So you got to be really <laughs> careful. Um, okay, now we're into a three, which is the exactly what you expect out of a beer. Uh, it, it is the, yep, this is what I thought I was going to get. Or in this case, it is the cap, the, the kind of generic template for Captain. It's Mal Reynolds. He is, uh, he has kind of broken for me what I think of as like Spaceship Captain. Like, this is it. That's the, that's the template. Go be um, that kind of weird, that kind of naive, definitely a little bit dense, but also trying your best to help the people around you and voyage through space. It's just, that's it. That's Captain now. Are and there are there any other spaceship captains on this list? Uh, there are no other spaceship captains on this list. Well, I mean, we just lost Burke. <laughs> so I I, I, I hope you appreciate having done that. Our good friend Burke. That originally Picard was my four, mm. um, because I am a big Picard fan. Uh, but I took I took Picard off uh, because in the four spot, I've put Captain Marvel. Um, I thought a lot about Captain Marvel just as a film uh, since we saw it. And I think that when we originally talked about Captain Marvel is like a hot take um, after it came out, I think I had it as like 10th in the MCU for me. Um, it's moved up the list. I've rewatched it a few times on Disney plus, And I think the casting was damn near perfect. The soundtrack is honestly one of the best soundtracks to a film I've ever heard in my entire life. And it expanded the universe in interesting ways without also making Captain Marvel a kind of impossible addition to the MCU, which would have been very easy given the the scope of her power. And um, so that sound I on the microphone was Splenda vehemently disagreeing with you, but he is a chauvinist, so ignore I, him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't, he's I don't feel I bad try, that this. cat is not woke. I tried everything I could. We've had I made him read the feminine mystique. He's just a real, he wears a fedora all day. There's nothing I could do. Um, Yeah, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Also acceptable in a four. And this was almost my five, but I can't put it in my five for reasons. Captain Quint would have been a good cut here. I just want, I just want to say that before people start yelling at me. From Jaws? Yes. Before people start yelling at me about not including Quint, included. Okay. I mean, you can't, no, he's not. You have to pick one. Like Captain Marvel is my four. Okay. I'm letting people know. Now I just want an adventure with Captain Quint and Captain Marvel. Like, hell yeah. Doll's eyes. And then Brie Larson is just like looking at him confused. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. And then a five in terms of captains, and this is, of course, in honor of the distinction granted to my wife this week, is Captain Springfield, a.k.a. Brandy Harris, my wife, topical Borat reference. Uh, So (laughs) once a year for the last five years, the Springfield news leader, um, has held a public vote, kind of like an NCAA tournament bracket-style competition to distinguish one person as Captain Springfield. That person gets kind of a ceremonial cape gets, and then gets a, a, a Twitter handle and really gets a very public uh, opportunity. Oh, that's why you're wearing a cape right now. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, only capes in this household moving forward. 
mm-hmm. um, gets an opportunity to talk about, um, you know, the great things that they're doing in Springfield or the great things happening in Springfield. And as I have mentioned on the show before, I don't, I don't think there can ever be a shortage of um, the people trying to make this community better and people talking about how this community has improved over years. And uh, I'm just super over the moon for my wife and, and proud of her for now getting to wear that cape, don that mantle, whatever you want to say, and, and be a voice for Springfield in a real kind of formal capacity. So uh, if we drink a great beer today, and God, I'm hoping we do, it'll be a Captain Springfield. And on that note. I question the objectivity of your rating system. I mean, I think there might have been some some inside trading there but wow all right wow. She, she is intensely qualified i, I agree wow. with that but like the the election is suspect but i i like the idea that you think any other rating system i've, I've ever given has been objective <laughs> well uh, i mean th- i have to assume floofy dogs on my street was mm-hmm. carried out with a, a rigorous rubric i um, do walk around with a checklist and a clipboard as i evaluate dogs on my street <laughs> yes it's totally true um, and on that note, I'm going to grab a beer and we'll be right back with our first segment, Dissecting Our Fun, where we talk about a board games. As producer Ross is swarmed by his mini raccoons, what are you drinking, Spencer? Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, Ross. I <laughs> am drinking from Open Gate Brewery. Uh, the Guinness Over the Moon Milk Stout. Now, this is very confusing to me because the label says Open Gate Brewery, but then it has the Guinness harp in the middle of it, and it's brewed in Baltimore. So let me read you the description. Luxuriously smooth and sweet with creamy notes of chocolate and coffee made at our Open Gate Brewery in Baltimore, Maryland, where we combine 250-plus years of Guinness brewing experience in Ireland with American beer creativity. So it's like a weird stateside Guinness mashup thing. Oh, um, man. I don't yeah. need that. I, I do not need to see an American interpretation of anything really anymore. But yeah. definitely not Guinness. Not something so pure and wonderful. Um, good luck. Hey, I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. Oh, it's in a can, too. Always a good sign for Guinness. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it is a good sign if it is a nitro can. But uh, oh. not. Nope. Ooh, nope. At all. It's got nitrous or not? Is it just a can? He kind of kind of pivoted away from the mic there for a second. It's just a can. <laughs> um, well, it, uh, so I can't process thoughts. Okay, Weird. So Who would like have a... thought that Americans would fuck up something Irish? It's never happened before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what happens is on the front, you get like the the... It, it does have kind of a milky drink to it, which I like. It's very smooth. It's got some sweetness on the front. It almost has like a hint of toffee even from the chocolate, I'm guessing. It's like, oh, this is kind of nice. And then the back hits, and suddenly it becomes like a sour milk stout. And it's as if I was drinking what I assume a wet cat tastes like. And so it went from like a, oh, this is like drinkable, and I'm going to enjoy it, to I'm going to throw up on this Blue Yeti microphone. <laughs> and so... Uh, I guess I can't totally give it a one because like the front is pretty nice and and enjoyable, but I, I can't give it a good because the back is atrocious. So I would already made it a two, man. Yeah. I would give it, yeah, I would give it a cap and crunch because I liked the flavor, but I hated drinking it (laughs) partially because of the flavor. That's very, very, it's very cap and crunch. Yeah. It's very cap and crunch. Yeah. The aftermath gets you every time. 
Mm-hmm. It really does. It really, because I'm going to throw up at some point during or after this segment because of it. I'm also, it's been a long day. I'm probably going to drink the rest of it while we oh, no. do this. And so this is just, this is just what happens now. Um, yes. okay. Some days you just power through the twos and we've even had episodes where we power through the ones. It's just 100%. the desperation is sometimes there. Um, you proposed this topic, so why don't you, you lay it on me? I did propose this topic. So in Dissecting Our Fun, where we talk about board games, typically we talk about a specific board game or a specific board game mechanic, but something that has been on my eye lately uh, is purchasing a collector's edition reprint of one of my favorite games of all time, which is Reiner Kinesia's Lord of the Rings game. For those mm. of you who have not played Lord of the Rings by Reiner Kinesia, it is a game built explicitly to make you hate board games. Uh, I, I can list on on one hand the accomplishments that I find more important in my life than winning a game of Reiner Kinesia's Lord of the Rings, which is a cooperative game that we've talked about in the past, I believe. Yeah, I'm very glad um, we won it last time we played it, because the time before that, we lost on the very last turn. And it was mm-hmm, perhaps mm-hmm. one of the most crushing co-op experiences I've ever had. It is a game built to make you lose either on the first of five or six boards or on the very last turn before the end of the game. I'm convinced (laughs) of this. It is dark magic and it hates you. But um, we have like an old printing of this game. And I actually think this game went out of print for quite a while, which is why they're doing a reprint now. Um, And we have gone out of our way to keep that old printing in as good a tip-top shape as possible, which is hard because there are figurines, etc., uh, someone pointed me, maybe Greg Bennett, I don't remember, uh, on the Discord in the direction of a reprint of Reiner Kinesia's Lord of the Rings game that's coming up. And it's actually reasonably priced. And in theory, you get uh, upgraded versions of the meeples that y- you get to use. You get an upgraded version of the One Ring, which becomes a feature of the game. You get new boards and new player cards, etc. And Brandy and I both looked at it. Uh, it might be Brandy's favorite game of all time. It's certainly in her top three favorite games. And it's a thing that we do with her family. So it has a lot of nostalgia. And both of us were kind of like, yeah, I don't need to rebuy that. And it was a weird moment for me because we have talked in the past on the show about how out of my way I will go. And many of us will go on this podcast to buy uh, like upgraded board game tokens or upgraded board game box organizers. See mm-hmm. my collection for Scythe or Caleb's selection for Terraforming Mars and how both of us interact with um, Quacks of Quedlinburg. But something about a collector's edition reprint or deluxe copy, like just doesn't get me out of bed. And I'm curious if that is the same for you guys. Um, For me, I really think, I don't know. Like I, I have bad days where I just look at the, the box set of terraforming Mars with like the 3d tiles and all that kind of mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of salivate. I'm like, this would make you feel better. This would make the voices <laughs> stop. Just click by. Um, but what really stops me on that kind of thing is really a sunk cost fallacy because right. a game that I love that much to spend that much, I have already gotten all sorts of third party doodads to go with it like if they came out with a a quacks like uh deluxe edition that came with like the beautiful little tokens and upgraded things and stuff like that i already have so much invested in that game same thing with terraforming mars i've got the broken token insert i've got the very all the different things and like but man i i am just tempted on the terraforming mars so here's the thing Unless there's like rules revisions and changes are like yeah. a significant component upgrade, like a, a, a component upgrade that makes the game more playable. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
what really stops it is the sunk cost fallacy. Like getting this new game would require me to remove the old game from my collection somewhere else. And I have already probably spent, if I love a game that much, like a hundred to $150 getting everything about that game. I love. So that is what really stops me. However, while I don't think it's a good buying decision, I think it's an excellent business decision because board gamers are dumbasses like myself Mm -hmm. and will fucking swallow that hook hole, um, even though it makes no sense. Yeah. 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 Ross, are you a, are you a deluxe edition? And and I think the condition here is right. You're, do you already own the game? Yeah. And you're getting a reprinted deluxified collectorsified version of it. Yeah, if I already own the game, uh, the only way I would ever buy the Lux Edition is if my own copy was like incomplete, like I had missing components or was damaged or something like that. Like I could never justify buying two copies, and if one's already perfectly intact. But on the other hand, if it's a game I I've played but I don't have yet, and I really liked it, like I, for example, I would in a heartbeat pay extra for a uh, deluxe edition of Wingspan. Because uh, I don't have that game mm, yet, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I think that would be uh, really that that that's a game I want to get anyway. So I, I would definitely comes with actual legit. birds. Sure, watch out for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's actually not along with your mini raccoons. You yeah, yeah. Maddie Jumanji. just wants all the pets, so we'll just uh, have a wildlife sanctuary here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be fine. Um, so that's what that's basically it. Uh, um, if it's a game. Now, of, of of course, if it or if it's a game that I, I'm I'm going to be playing with a lot of like like a, a co-op game um, that I want to do a campaign of, I could see that because uh, you know uh, Gloomhaven, you know, I, we spent a year playing and got a lot of fun out of that. I would I would uh, for the what is it Frosthaven? If there's a deluxe mm-hmm. edition of Frosthaven, I would be I would be willing to spend extra for that. Um, or to get the deluxe components, something like that. So yeah, that 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 would be my criteria. Something I've played, don't have, and really want. Uh, yeah, like, the initial purchase, like I think I'm willing to spend the extra money if I think there's a risk and or I know I like it. So like for example, yeah. if I'm going to back a Kickstarter and there's a deluxe edition and I see value in the deluxe edition that isn't just like, well, just unnecessarily give the creator a bunch of mm-hmm. more money because like I'm already giving you a decent amount of money. But Mm -hmm. there's a quality component or it pushes us over a stretch goal and that means everybody wins. I'm willing to go in on an enhanced version of a board game, which is why, to Caleb's point about sunk costs, so many of the games that I play so often already have third-party and or first-party upgraded components that I have added to and bought for the game. Mm -hmm. It's the rebuy thing for me, Mm -hmm. but I already own the game. And so now, now, now it's taken a thing that I already probably fetishize too much and don't use in its intended way sometime which is a toy to be played with and now i'm just like really leaning into oh and also here's my copy of insert game don't fucking touch it and i think that's that feels like a line too far for me now here's where i will go and buy a collector edition if i don't own the game already so i have bought delect collectors editions Mm -hmm. on games i didn't own at all yet right like ross said so Mm -hmm. for instance container like I could probably find container used for like 15 bucks. It would look like an old edition of a choir with mm-hmm. just like numbers mm-hmm. in an Excel sheet on crappy cardboard. Um, the, the rules would not have the loan mechanic, which means that if you don't know what you're doing, you could make the game unplayable in the first turn. Right. Right. Um, but I could also buy the container copy that I actually own, which has 
life-sized cargo ships just yeah. like did you want an actual cargo ship yeah. um and that Weapons. that's what i go for like it's not a deluxe edition but i own gkr giant killer robots if that's not if that's not a collector's specialty conspicuous consumption buy i don't know what is but mm-hmm. i have a game now for if you come in and you're like fuck me up with board games son and i'm like yeah I will like, mm-hmm. here's How this, you feel about robots? here's your nine inch tall robot. <laughs> right. let, let's, uh, let's, uh, open up a, uh, basketball gym and I'll lay out the board. <laughs> um, yeah. So I will sort of go for those big ticket items. If I know I like the game, cause I've seen a lot of reviews and seen plays of it. Um, and it's better than the previous versions and some like rules revision, or significant component upgrade. But yeah, it's that rebuy. It's that rebuy that stops me every time until I eventually get drunk and buy the new Terraforming Mars edition. In right. which case, I'll have a hell of a Terraforming Mars edition to sell to somebody. Uh, but um, yeah, thus far, I've been able to resist. Yeah, stay tuned for a reprint and resale copy of Terraforming Mars coming to the Mix 6 podcast soon. Yeah, if you want to um, make, make your own betting game, just right like maybe pick a month in which i cave we could have a pool going amongst the patreon i don't know if that's legal or not to have a little side casino going on but uh we'll try Um, no rules anymore yeah um hey caleb's gonna grab a beer and we'll be right back for oh man it's been a while we're doing a bee hole in one on the other side of this Caleb, what are you drinking? Well, I'm going to drink from Side Project Brewing, a French term I'm about to butcher. No, mm-hmm. that's not the name of the beer. It's Side Project Brewing's beer, 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 du de pays. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm not. No, keep trying. Keep trying. It's good. good. <laughs> yeah. It's Side Project. <laughs> Check the show notes. Uh, it's an oak-aged Missouri farmhouse ale. What side project does best? I am going to try it. I am very envious of you that you have this beer and that I do not have this beer. Mm-hmm. And I'm, again, reminded how much of a bummer it is that we cannot drink this beer in the same room and without the risk of spreading COVID to one another because I would like to try this beer. Yes, I miss all of your backwashes um, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the old days when we drank Aww. this from the single horn in which we... Oh, we were so naive back in our our youth, you know, in those calcium years. Yeah, I really just view this as a transitional phase before we become utter savages that don't even believe in germs anymore and just think the plague goes after those the gods is angry with. Uh, germs but, are a personal choice. Yes, uh, that's a five. It's delicious. It's yeah. um. It's got the um, the bubbly uh, sort of bite of a champagne almost, mm-hmm. but uh, it's got that farmhouse skunk mm-hmm. that really grounds it um, flavor-wise, so it doesn't seem too wispy, but um, it's intensely drinkable. You could drink this after um, mowing the lawn, although I'm not sure why you'd want to mow the lawn if you had this in your house and you could be drinking it instead of doing chores, yeah. um, which tells a lot about where i'm at uh anyway mo- moving on uh, what are we going to talk about 
So this is B-Hole-in-One, and for those of you unfamiliar with the show, in B-Hole-in-One, this segment, uh, we rank the 773 beers that we've consumed. We look at that list, and then someone gives us something that isn't a beer. We throw that thing into the beer hole, which is, of course, the backlog of now 774 beers, thanks to Caleb's rating side project. And once we throw that thing into the hole on the other end, we tell you what kind of beer that thing makes of the 774 that we have now tried. Mm-hmm. So in this segment, B-Hole-in-One, Greg Bennett, great listener of the show, has suggested, in B-Hole-in-One, let's toss some superhero movies into the B-Hole. doesn't have to be just MCU, and it doesn't have to be DC. So we've picked three superhero movies, and those three su- superhero movies are, and these are kind of, there's some deep cuts in here, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Spider-Man 2, non-deep cut, frankly, just great superhero movie. The Chris Evans slash Jessica Alba Fantastic Four, and Ang Lee's The Hulk. So each of us is going to throw those movies into the B-hole, and on the other end, we're going to tell you what beer we've tried that would come out of the B-hole. Caleb, let's start with you for Spider-Man 2. I just want to be clear, this has something, it has very little to do with the actual quality of the film Spider-Man 2. Because the film is uh, great. And everything to do with the fact that the B-hole is in my house. And I feel as if it tries to appease me in sort of some monkey's paw sort of way. Um, I can't think of the film Spider-Man 2 without thinking of the end credits. And without thinking of Dashboard Confessional's song in the end credits. Precisely because we used to live with the Kevin Ellis and yourself. Who both worked at the uh, Blue Springs Springs 8. Uh, while the film's out, and uh, could sing the entire song from memory and often would scream it while drunk. So I can't think of the film Spider-Man 2 without thinking of Dashboard Confessional. And so I think what comes out for me is a Mike's Hard Lemonade, because if you listen to Dashboard Confessional, that's the hardest alcohol you've ever drank. (laughs) Soft, soft boy you. Uh, Which is fine. It's, It's got sugar in it. Go for it. But um, it comes out of the Mike's Hard Lemonade. I'm the only one who can explain why. Everyone else would be confused. Uh, but I, I can't help the whims of the beehole. It, it, it's its own boss. So I'm just super bummed that when you think of Spider-Man 2, you're also forced to think of Mike's Hard Lemonade because of some runaway logic wherein Kevin Ellis and I used to scream vindicated at each other while we were drunk. So, okay. <laughs> Uh, used wrong. to implies like you did it one time, <laughs> right. which would be false. Yeah. Uh it was a weekly, if not bi-weekly occurrence. So. Uh, I'm going to be honest for a second. I uh, haven't seen the Spider-Mans in the longest time, so um, I was mentally blanking. I thought Spider-Man 2 was the one with Venom, and I just realized that was Spider-Man 3. So my initial choice was going to be Evil Twin Brewing. Man who doesn't love IPA easily, loves too much, uh, which I feel uh, fits that. Oh, so Evil that's Twin. why you picked a dog shit beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a dog shit movie. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, this is the one with Spider- Dr. Octopus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I remember yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to go with uh, Boulevard Brewing, Cherry Lime, Radler, because it's a fun summer beer for a fun summer movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And it has two flavors for two villains. Uh, so, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Nice, nice. Good save. Good save at the yeah. end there. Yeah. Man. Hey. That's why I'm your producer. Um, I, I've gone with a, a, a good beer, uh, unlike Caleb, who hasn't gone with a beer at all. Um, and for me, in Spider-Man 2, I've chosen Oh Hi Merc. 
And for those of you who don't remember, Ojai Merck is one of the few IPAs in the show mm -hmm. that we didn't just like, we absolutely loved. It is one of the few IPAs that we have tried on the show and I have attempted to find in the world. Makes no sense uh, how good that beer is, especially no after what it is named. Like, it, you it, feel it, like you'd name that a beer you made as a joke. Like, yep. <laughs> yep. It, it, uh -huh. it is, in case you're wondering and you're thinking, now, wait a minute, is that, yes, it is a riff on the room. It has a poorly drawn, actually, maybe an accurately drawn Tommy Wiseau on the label. Yeah, the lower uh, the know. resolution, the more accurate the Tommy Wiseau gets. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it was delicious. And the reason uh, I think Spider-Man 2 produces this um, the that era of superhero film was a little bit ugh, and there was a lot of bad to come out of what that generated and the time in which that super those superhero films were being made being made and then in the middle of all of it there was this like damn near perfect almost wonderful uh uh movie spider-man 2 mm -hmm. and that's how i feel about ipas that almost all of them are terrible and what the ipa boom has done to beer to me is like ugh. But occasionally out of that boom, there comes this just absolutely transcendent, would go back to that well a million times. It's the oh, hi, Merck. Um, okay, uh, Caleb, the, uh, the criminally underappreciated Chris Evans, Jessica Alba, Fantastic Four. I'm kidding. This movie is terrible. Uh, if you throw it into the b-hole, what comes out on the other end? See, okay, I was on... Uh, I didn't know if you meant, like, the first one or the second one with the Silver Surfer, which... Uh, that one's okay. It's not great, but it, it's it's better than the first one. So, um, really, what I think about when I think about either of those films is a missed opportunity because I think Chris Evans as Captain America is legitimately doing a service to America. In in addition to like just being in Marvel movies, which have you know questionable worth, I think him on Twitter telling Republicans that no, I'm literally Captain America and fuck you is right. is the only thing that sustains me some days. So I, I think it, he can do super films, right? Um, I don't think the fantastic four is one of those. No. So my pick was uh Mater Familius on a bad mm. year <laughs> on a bad year. It's got potential. It could be one of the greatest things ever, but Springfield waters table is uncooperative. And sometimes it comes out as sludge. Yeah. Uh, so it's Mater Familius on a bad year. Like, if you tweak it, this could be transcendent, uh, but it's not there right now. Yeah. Yeah. For those, for those of you unfamiliar, uh, Modern Familius is the latest iteration of what used to be called MILF by Mother's Brewing Company, which is a local favorite of ours. Before they Every made a year, better choice. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they do a limited run Imperial Stout uh, that has, in some years, been absolutely one of the best beers I've ever had, and in other years, been a beer. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, that there's variability for you. Uh, Producer Ross. Chris Evans, Jessica Alba, uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah, so uh, I was thinking back to one of the beers that uh, Maddie reviewed that uh, I remember having a sip of. Uh, Decadent Ales Double Tropical Smoothie Double IPA because it's a lot of buzzwords that will be popular with a lot of people, supposedly. You know, you have Chris Evans, you have Jessica Alba, and, you know, like, this should be good, at least for mainstream audiences, right? Well, no, it wasn't. It was, it was yeah, terrible. There's, there's two doubles? Yeah. Uh, double tropical smoothie, double IPA. So yeah, so it's, that's it's a it's a squared IPA. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just Damn. yeah. Uh, adding a lot of things that are popular doesn't make it good. So if we ever start a brewery, and Spencer, I think you could get rich one day to become like 
one of those trust fund uh, Wall Craft Street guys that guys retires at 40 members. and makes a brewery. Uh, we need to make a like an exponential IPA. Just just yep. uh, just punish people who buy it. Hops um, all the way down. Yeah. Um, so for my pick for the Chris Evans, Jessica Alba, Fantastic Four, I have gone with the Newport Storm 09. Oh, I don't know if it's because yep. I was thinking of Sue Storm and mm-hmm, was inspired mm-hmm, by that, mm-hmm, or if it's because mm-hmm. it's one of the worst things I've ever tasted and mm-hmm. one of the worst films I've ever seen. Literally undrinkable, um, the, yeah. Literally undrinkable. The Newport Storm 09 was uh, one of a bottle, a line of bombers that we got from Friends of the Show. Um, it had clearly been sitting too long somewhere doing something biologically, chemically that it probably shouldn't have been doing. And when I started drinking my glass of it, which was the bottom of the bottle, all of the silt which had settled made the already terrible tasting beer even worse because I was chewing on it. It's so, also appropriate because it had the mouth feel as if I just sucked off Ben Grimm. Um, <laughs> and it was uh, very, very disgusting. So, yeah, it fits in multiple ways. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck uh, not thinking about that later. Okay. <laughs> and leaves the Hulk. Uh, Caleb, what do you got? Well, uh, Ang Lee can be a fantastic filmmaker. Uh, I, I love his uh, work, you know, examining, you know, queer lives, both in uh, his traditional Chinese work and, and, you know, things like Brokeback Mountain. And then you have like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So it can be very good. It can be very refined. Um, so you need a beer that thinks it's doing that and is actually dog shit, specifically giant Hulk poodle dog shit. Uh, and so... It's champagne velvet, and there's no other choice. You need something that thinks it's great and is actually the worst thing you've ever tasted. Yeah. Um, and champagne velvet is exactly that. Yeah, champagne velvet probably had the longest run for the worst beer we've tasted. Yeah, yeah, it's it's up there. Uh, it is no longer the worst beer we've. Not had. even close. That, that, no, that we've Mickey had Ruth way worse. Was just undrinkable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. think that at the at the time. And from the time we drank that until the time we drank the next worst thing, uh, Champagne Velvet probably had the longest run as worst beer on the ship. That was the closest we've come to spitting something out, mm-hmm. aside from actually spitting something out, which was, of course, mm-hmm. what Scandinavians call candy, which is actually an abomination against God. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, w- uh, what's next? Crystallized tobacco. Uh, producer Ross, Ang Lee's the Hulk. Uh, leaky Roof. From metery there cellar. it is. Yeah, yeah. It, hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a Hulk it, dog. Yeah, that's a Nick. That's a Nick Nolte fight <laughs> as your climax of a film. Yep, fighting Nick Nolte. Uh, that's right. It's just I think of that as like good. a climax of a Charles Bukowski night drinking. Uh, but <laughs> apparently, it was the superhero shenanigan we need to see. Who wins uh, in a fight choice? between Chuck Bukowski and uh, Nick Nolte? No one. Maybe. <laughs> I still think that's a different segment. Anyway, moving yeah. on. Um, uh, Ang Lee's The Hulk. Uh, Goza Gone Wild. Why? Because I love the idea of a good Hulk movie, like I love the idea of a good Goza, and then occasionally a really terrible Goza sneaks in there, and it goes out of its way to also call itself Goza Gone Wild, and I hate everything about it. Just everything about it. Forget that it exists. Only remembered it when I started thinking about things that made me viscerally angry as beer. Goza Gone Wild kind of floated to the top of the list. Not unlike the Hulk might, uh, as you think of uh, films you absolutely hated and should have loved. That has been B Hole in One. And on that note, producer Ross is going to grab a beer 
and we'll be right back with what are we doing next oh special segment never mind i'm not going to spoil it Producer Ross, what are you drinking? I am drinking As Long As There's Water by Sweetwater Brewing. It's a Berliner Weiss with a Kai Berry. Uh, well, let me let me read what's on the can itself. A mildly, a mildly tart yet refreshing wheat ale. Uh, an Akai edition dials up notes of juicy blackberry and raspberry while the light body provides crisp refreshment. Join us in celebrating water this summer by getting out and protecting it. Like we always say, you can't make good beer without clean water. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I'm for the environmentalism. Did, was that an Akai edition? Yeah. Is it some sort of publication? Uh, yeah, it's an Akai edition. It, oh, man, that's how oh, the no, berry edition, like adding and subtracting. Oh, I, I thought you meant like edition. Like, no. I'm like, that's <laughs> how they get you with the berries. They make mm-hmm. you buy the new volume every mm-hmm. year at the bookstore, and they don't give you the price when you try to sell mm-hmm. it back. Well, here I, I, go. I am just going to say, I think there are listeners who are going to be telling us that the way that you say this word is acai, and that might be yeah. true. And I don't care because now I just want to treat this as gospel. So, um, this is actually really good. Um, it's mildly sour. Um, but you can taste the berries on it very cleanly, like very, very clearly. Um, and there's very little aftertaste. Uh, so you can just keep going. So yeah, it's, it's a four for me. Uh, what's the ABV on that Ross? It feels 4.8. like the, Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. yeah you can drink these like all day. Low ABV kind of sour beers just mm-hmm. in my veins. Yeah. It's not super sour. It's, it's tart, but it's not like mouth puckering so like yeah it's a really nice summer beer i was gonna Um, say there was some irony in them talking about clean water and making a 4.8 abv beer that's like going to be littered on the rivers of the world by people floating mm -hmm. but all those people drink is miller light so we don't need to (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. uh i i stand corrected um anyway spencer you seem to have listed under segment every segment we do in addition to many we don't uh, you said binge binger, armchair director, ready player drunk, and books. As if you've yeah. forgotten that our book segment is called Getting Lit, but yeah. you just typed the word books. <sighs> right. Um, right. So I, I don't even know how to approach this topic. Uh, so what what do you got? Yeah, okay. So the books thing, like I thought by the time I got there, like you would have learned as an intuitive reader beforehand that I was just saying this is like all of our media-based topics together. So I'm not going to keep writing out the names of all of them. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know books. You've I thought you would have learned after 775 beers with me that I'm going to call you out on that bullshit. But <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chicken and meat. Uh, Right. It, it, look, it wasn't great. Okay, bad form, I get it. Um, it's also, it's like the Taco Bell approach to a menu item at this point. I just took everything that we've ever done and I put it in a tortilla and I was like, have this burrito of content. I can't and wait so, to write the show notes for this. Just yeah. something. I, yeah. We talked about, this is a segment. Um, yeah. Media. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I'm not saying it like an undergrad who's like writing their first philosophy paper. Like this is some <laughs> groundbreaking thing. Like I was just thinking, so here's, here's what prompted this. Um, a couple of days ago, I was doing the thing where you spend too much time looking on Netflix to figure out what you want to watch on Netflix. And the legend of Korra popped up and I was like, now, wait a minute. 
And I watched the preview for it because I thought I knew as much and I was right. The Legend of Korra is the follow-up to Avatar. And at least as far as the two of you know, because I've probably talked about it too much off the mic, um, I have fallen in love with Avatar, the series. I ref- I'm not going to watch the movie. Maybe I'll watch the movie one day when I'm drunk, but I'm not talking about that. And now The Legend of Korra, all four seasons of it, or at least four seasons of it are on Netflix, and I'm very excited about that. And it's kind of like renewed me, and it's something to watch in my free time. Um, in doing this, when it popped up, I kind of like went crazy. And Brandy was like, why the fuck are you going so crazy over The Legend of Korra? And I was like, I legitimately think Avatar is probably one of the five best shows I've ever watched in my entire life, which then oh caused my, my wife. Aaron is to... breaking into your house right now. Our friend, yeah. like, yeah. along with many of our listeners, you have, this is not yeah. unlike your, I'd like to learn more about anime. Right. Yeah. Foolishness. No, I, You've... I, this is a monkey paw. I get it. And so uh, <laughs> I thought, uh, so then Brandy immediately challenged me. She's like, no, it's not. Start listing your favorite shows and tell me that Avatar fits in the top five. And so we did. We built a full top ten list, and then I organized and rated and it got me thinking, um, I probably wouldn't have watched Avatar if I wasn't home all day because fucking COVID. <laughs> and then I started thinking about all of the stuff that I've watched. Ross, I know you've watched a tremendous amount of movies since you've been even more at home during COVID. Uh, I got to think about all the stuff I've watched and all the stuff I've read and all the games I've tried, et cetera. And it kind of got me thinking, what's your favorite piece of content slash media that you have encountered, the surprise piece of content or media that you have countered in your at-home time during COVID? What's the one thing that stands out as like, the, oh, that, I'm really glad I stumbled into this. Ross? Um, yeah, so like you, like you was, uh, you're saying, Spencer, I've watched, I've calculated, uh, I've watched over 100 movies since April. Uh, a lot of these have been uh, sort of Netflix kind of parties, like stream, uh, a friend streams it, and then other friends, including Caleb, uh, would talk about the movie. Um, probably, um, if I had to narrow it down, uh, I mean, the one thing is, is really limited down that that is going to be, um, probably either blood quantum or the video game slay the spire. Um, Oh, I didn't know you were slaying the spire. Yeah, no. Well, I, I started playing it last week and I just had to stop because as soon as I started playing that game, it's like, I I just got to gotta beat this i gotta slay the spire one more time i, I was also gonna say slay the spire i fucking hate deck builders and it's eating me alive yeah it is it's a deck builder two- plus darkest dungeon which i mm-hmm. suck at and i'm still playing it constantly yeah <laughs> i put 20 hours of it in one week like i just i couldn't like it like and like that i started playing on thursday like i i i like <laughs> yeah it's a just one more run game yeah um, it is yeah. uh super <laughs> addicting uh, very playable. Um, I just had to like. I know if I open the game, it that there goes the rest of the day. Like I'm just, I might get a, a couple of. Th- I might eat, you know. Uh, <laughs> but like, I might eat. yeah. Um, but in terms of movies, probably the 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 best one, the standalone that uh, uh, sticks to me is Blood Quantum, which is a uh, zombie movie on Shutter, uh, where. Um, Basically, it's a zombie apocalypse, but indigenous people are immune to bite, immune to infections. They can still be killed by zombies, obviously, but um, only white people get turned into zombies. And so it's uh, very Red Markets uh, based, but it's also a really excellent, like, dealing with the trauma of colonialism, both like the tribe dealing with white people and also them dealing with each other. There's a lot of anger and resentments um and just it's an excellent family drama it gets really fucked up too especially towards the 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 last act like it like holy yeah, shit to see that yeah yeah it's it's uh, uh real I'll, uh, um 
It's really good. Um, so the probably because I mean, a lot of the movies I've been watching are pretty are very very bad. Um, right. Oh, there was one JCVD movie that was like I was really surprised with um, Maximum Risk, uh, which was directed by Ringo Lam, uh, uh, Lam, who's a Hong Kong director. And it turns out if if JCVD had a good director and like a good script, he could actually act to a degree. Because um, like yeah, no, it's like yeah, I I know it's a lot, but like the whole yeah, point is um, JCVD had a twin brother. The twin brother dies getting to him because he needed his help. Uh, and the Russian mobs after him. I know it's, it's a very, a it's got to be twin, but it's only the one. Like he's a cop. He's trying to figure out what, why his brother was trying to reach him. He didn't know he had a brother. But like, there's one scene towards the end when he finds he gets to the bank where his brother, his dead brother, uh, left behind the safe deposit box uh, with all the secrets on the Russian mob. And there's this uh, tape recorder, and it's playing black. I I I'm, I don't have anyone in the world. I hope we're listening to this together. And you know, uh, the, you're my only friend in the world, my brother who I've never met. And like JCVD actually looked like it's a, an emotional scene. Like like it's actually good. It's not great, but it's good. Like it's it's by JCVD standards, it's a fucking masterpiece. So Ross, like, that was really a, surprising. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a very important question. Mm-hmm. Did you cry at a Jean Claude Van Damme film? No, no, no. Okay. No. Are you sure? I'm going to give you one. No, more no. Like, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I am. I, I know. Like, um, the, the TV show Midnight Diner on Netflix, oof, that destroys me. That is the saddest thing because it's just like, oh, here's a 20 half hour show about like people eating this Midnight Diner in Tokyo. Oh, and here's like two people who like uh, uh, a mother, you know, this guy lost his, uh, got alienated from his family. Oh, look. Yeah, oh. Oh, did I break your heart? Okay, well, hey, here's some tips on cooking this food. You know, like it's mm. it's really good, but it it is that's the show that's been emotionally devastating me. Um, so um, yeah, I've been avoiding uh, the JCVT of- film Double Team has made me cry multiple times, but probably not <laughs> for the reasons right. you're right. thinking. <laughs> yeah, mm. I cry at Street Fighter a lot, um, but. <laughs> But that's just because I really like Street Fighters. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> they did a disservice to the lore of the Street Fighters. I do feel sad every time I watch Street Fighter because I look at Raul Julia and I'm like, man, right. you were a great actor. And this was it. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this was, was the, the one. This was the swan. This is, this is the exclamation point to your career. <laughs> yeah. Street Fighter. Um <laughs> Uh, well, no surprise, my surprise piece of media for COVID, I don't know if you heard earlier, has been Avatar. Oh, God damn it. We could have edited it out, but now there's just too much. Here's a runner-up, and this is a deep cut. Um, on Netflix, Hinterland. Hinterland fucking broke me, man. So I have gotten really into uh, like British-style uh, European um, murder mystery drama uh, true crime stuff. Uh, I just like the way uh, the BBC at all kind of film their shit. And so Hinterland is technically a Welsh, Welsh series. I think there are four seasons, maybe three seasons on Netflix. Uh, each season is like three to five episodes. They're like typically 80 to 90 minutes long. Uh, it is like deeply slow. It is very European. Uh, it is very not interesting for large swaths of time. And that's exactly what I want because it's very pastoral and you really call it like following mostly one storyline per episode with like one miniature extended arc. But what's interesting to me about um, Hinterland is that it's one of the few shows in the world that is filmed twice 
once in English and once in Welsh for Welsh viewers. And they don't dub it. They refilm every dialogue scene in English and in Welsh. And so it's just kind of like interesting to watch as they navigate in and out of English and Welsh on occasion when Welsh shows up on like a street sign or on like a building. And it's just been like a really interesting watch for me. I don't know. I can't say the acting was particularly great. I can't say the characters were particularly... I actually don't remember all of the character names. I'm not sure that I ever really knew them. But I do know that I sunk like 10 hours into this thing. And for some reason, I keep wanting to re-watch it. So Hinterland would be a deep cut number two. Caleb, your answer then was also Slay the Spire, as I understand it. Um, I have other ones. I mean, the movie night thing is really just a matter of quantity. We, we've always watched shit, but never in, in such amounts. Uh, yeah, we went from a bag of fertilizer to just like a giant compost heap of cinema. Um, but, uh, the man, super depressing. I won't get into it, but, uh, as research for God's teeth, I've been reading a lot of journalism, um, specifically about immigration and how it affects children in the modern day. So uh, I've read Taking Children, A History of American Terror by Laura Briggs and uh, Border Wars Inside Trump's Assault on Immigration by Julie Hirschfield Davis and Michael D. Shear. They are both excellent pieces of journalism that are very important. And I will say no more about them because it is possibly the most depressing thing you could ever read. Um, But if you want to get impotently furious uh i cannot i cannot more highly recommend two books they are uh as infuriating as possibly could be imagined uh so yeah if you wanted to get angry there you go and on that (laughs) note we're gonna grab more beer and we'll be right back Caleb, what uh, what are you uh, what are you drinking there? It, you act like it's the first time you've ever asked that. Okay. Yeah, I'm experimenting. Uh, it's All a right. bit. I'm gonna try. Uh, I'm gonna drink from Side Project Brewing Reflections. Uh, mm. It also has very prominently displayed under Reflections a date, which is eight twenty eight twenty eighteen. I'm not sure why that's significant because i'm not good at my job uh but it is a like thing it is a wine barrel fermented missouri wild ale so you know wine aged or wine barreled stuff has been a little tricky for you on this show it has but if anyone has done it right it Uh is side project so we will see if that trend continues yeah. Um, so I had one of their Missouri Wild Ales on the last uh, patron extra we did. I had I had a side project Wild Missouri Wild, and it was absolutely delicious. Yeah, it's it's no change. It's fucking great. Um, it's a lot like that other one we had in the previous uh, patron extra. Um, mm-hmm. The one with the I, th- I think it was Norton grapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one we all. I don't did think together. it's yeah. Norton grapes, but. Um, it's light. It's got very similar viscosity. It might have the same base, even if it's a different grape. Um, but it's fucking delicious. You get the little particles in it from the wild ale. Like it is, it is like barely strained. It is just straight from the the teat, so to speak. Uh, it is wonderful. And the be- the beer teat. Yeah, the beer teat. Um, mm-hmm. That's what totally. we should have called. Be Harold and one the beer teat. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. fed the beer shagath 
Spider-Man 2, what would come out of his teeth? Oh, um, <laughs> we, we're all about being appetizing and inviting and not alienating our listeners. So unhappy about this metaphor. <laughs> so unhappy about it. Um, hey, we're into Ask Mix 6, where we take listener-specific questions, and someone asked us a good question and then didn't put their name in the document. So, no name, and that's not the actual name they put, that's literally, there was no name, asks... Can we invent a character for when people are anonymous? Like 100%. 100%. Okay. Like what's, what's, the, what's this person's name? Uh, or or title? Uh, the masked questioner, maybe? Uh, like, uh, ukulele Herzegovina. That's it. That's it. Yep. Anything yep. that does not have a name on it is asked by ukulele Herzegovina. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Ukulele Herzegovina asks... <laughs> How do y'all deal with your discontent with the people you depend on, e.g. school admin, strangers in grocery stores, your school kids, not really living up to their part of the social contract regarding health and safety in a time of COVID? And I'm asking this question not because I want us to get up in arms about the same thing for the 57th time as we record <laughs> during COVID, but rather to provide because, – because the reality is like all of us is all, have also had to find a way to make something like peace with it to exist – and I thought this would just be a really nice way to like put a bow on this and say, look, this is not ideal. All this fucking sucks. Most of the people in the area where we live think COVID is an issue of personal rights and it was probably invented by the Democrats and no one will ever talk about it after Donald Trump does or doesn't win the election in November. But having said that, we are still members of a society and we go out in public and have to interact with humans on occasion. We're clearly telling ourselves something to make that happen. What is the mantra you are repeating to yourself? to get through those interactions suffer. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my only actual answer. I just sort of fucking take it. Um, here's the thing. You could make the argument and I would agree with you that I have an ethical responsibility to confront these people. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that I am outnumbered something like 200 to one. Um, and no one is going to shame some Karen out of a grocery store where I live. If there's anyone who cares, it is likely just me and anyone else who is like me in that crowd is equally scared of that crowd because they're just insane and stupid in large numbers. I will say this. While I think it's very different in an area of sanity in which, um, you know, the acknowledgement of germs existing is a minority opinion. Um, if you live in a place like me, I really think you, you need to understand. Well, you need to not underestimate the drive in the conservative mind that just says, wish a motherfucker would. The, 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 the animating spite of the conservative mind is total. They only exist to piss off the liberal to the point where they would set themselves on fire if they then burn down your house. They care not for personal property. They care not for ethics or morality. They just hate you, and whatever you is is whatever conservative media told them you are in that second so much that there is no amount of personal harm or harm to other people they will not engage with 
if it just makes your day bad. Um, and so the, the irony of this is that if you cannot enact change through shame, because I, you know, I'm a socialist, I believe bullying works, you know, you, you, you should do that and maintain some solidarity. But if you are utterly isolated, like many people in my area is, um, you should not cave in by being justifiably pissed off. You should move on because that's what they want. That's what they want more than anything. Um, their fears of dying, their, their, their acknowledgement of the persistent insistence of reality actually has a better chance of coming around if you say nothing and ignore them because they're just children. They, they want attention. They want to film you and send it to Turning Point USA. It is the, the beginning, middle, and end of their animus. Um, they just want to piss off someone that is liberal. Um, and they're, they're constantly on the lookout for the Antifa super soldier that Alex Jones has told them is lurking around every corner. That Antifa super soldier is me, which I would argue is not much of a super anything, uh, but they're going to take what they can get and that will animate them. And the, the, uh, the backfire effect or whatever that fallacy is called of trying to convince someone of something and then they dig in harder is in fact the only thing that gets people out of bed in the morning around here. So um, you can argue that I'm doing it merely because it's easier for me. Uh, it is easier for me in that I don't want to get the shit beat out of me every time I go buy fucking Fritos at the grocery store. Uh, but I also don't think it would work. So like you, you have to move on, which That's validates right. their whole idea of personal choice. Right. And that fucking sucks. But the thing is, if you want progression, you need solidarity. And in the absence of solidarity, you just need to survive. Um, right. The so, least, it's the least worst thing to confirm. Right? Yeah. So the, my first thought is suffer. Like, I, I just have to suffer. No yeah. one wants to hear what I have to say about it. No one wants to be reminded of the actuality. Um, everyone has decided reality is different. And they're going to insist on that. And arguing that will cause such cognitive bias in their head that they will freak out. But like, the thing is, if you understand the conservative mind, they want the cognitive bias. They seek it out. They have determined that the distress of the facts of reality, disagreeing with their ideology is in fact an indicator that they're on the right path. Um, and if you engage in that, they will just dig in harder. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, it's different if you're, like, in a sane, rational place and MAGA shithead comes in and he's the only dickhead unmasked in the grocery store. Shout his ass down. I mean, if I'm having a bad day, I'll watch those videos for fucking fun. Like, that's great. But, like, you got to acknowledge that, you know, you know, Lennon knew you don't start a fight if you can't win. <laughs> you know, like, you got, if you're going to be out there, like, they're just, geared to find you they want to trigger you it's the only thing that gets them out of bed in the morning because they live miserable lives devoid of any ethos or morality so that that's all i can say like don't give them the pleasure like mm -hmm. which is itself spiteful but 
Um, we're beyond reconciliation now. I, I'll right. say that. That's my radical yeah. position. We're beyond reconciliation with these people. There's no moving the needle here. Yeah. Uh, so just save it for an engagement you can win. Yeah. Yeah. That's or that or that produces thing, right? Yeah. Like like meaningful thing. You know, my bit um, on this. Um, uh, the, the best metaphor I have for it is in uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the film, um, Aubrey Plaza plays a side character who only shows up every so randomly and always says a curse word during her interaction with Scott Pilgrim. But in lieu of the curse word, they do kind of like a bleeped out, like radio noise sound. And you can't tell what she's saying for a moment. And it's, but you know, it's spiteful and angry. And then she continues to interact with Scott Pilgrim, even though she's a little bit angry. And then, moves on, shows up again, does it a little bit later, moves on, shows up, does it again later. Um, I can only tell you that I have trained myself in the few instances wherein I have been in a setting with people who have just radically opposite perspectives on this from mine and who are aggressively anti-mask, very publicly and vocally anti-mask, very publicly and vocally pro the Trump administration's response to all of this. Um, All I have learned to do to be able to continue to move forward in that setting is to have an Aubrey Plaza moment in my head, which is to recognize that I hate this thing, silently, quietly, say a very bad word inaudibly in my brain, and then just continue to move on because I've accepted that there's no actual interaction here that makes things better on this subject. So it's kind of like the uh, take a cold shower when you've made a mistake in the day trick. You know what I mean? Like these, uh, these memory champions, what they do is like, one of them wrote a book and he said like when I would forget something or get something wrong, I would take a cold shower to cleanse myself of it and reset. I now just like have a, have a very bad word moment in my head. I cleanse myself and I reset. Uh, I, I either need to continue to make progress on something else with this person or these people. And so I need to find a, a space to compartmentalize this thing or uh, I just, just keep moving and don't engage at all. And I don't know if that's the right response. I don't know if that's a healthy response. I don't know what the right response is. I'm just telling you that's the one that I am using now to make peace with my environment when my environment doesn't want to make peace with me. Um, I have dozens of these interactions every day. In fact, it seems like the only interactions I have other than with Sarah and you guys uh, and like uh, movie night discords and our fans, which that's why you guys are my lifelines. But um, today I had a trained educator who I shall not name tell me that the reason we need to read Huck Finn again um, is not for like historical context is not for like understanding, you know, the difficult progress of progressivism or that Twain was progressive for his time, though still abysmal by our own standards or anything like that. We need to read Twain again because um, kids need to get used to hearing the N word more and not get so offended by it. What am I going to do with that? It was, it was a man who was 20 years older than me. What, am I going to change his mind? No, what's going to happen is that he's going to say nonsense that no child, that no administrator, that no one in any position of power would ever follow, Uh, much like the masking debate that we had earlier. Like, yeah, okay, sure. The masker, because you are exactly like the Jews in the Holocaust, ma'am. What an apt comparison. Like, no one's ever going to be swayed by that argument. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. But what would happen would be if I made a deal of it, I would accomplish nothing in changing his mind. It would have never changed anyone's mind in the first place had he said it to other people. But I would have become the problem. Like, I'm the one who made an issue of it. Mm -hmm. So 
I left. I just, I just left because he's not an English teacher, of course. And what he says doesn't fucking matter. And I'm not just going to shout racial slurs at my students for fun, which apparently he was advocating for. Um, I just disengaged. And I know that's not brave, but it's also tactical. Like (laughs) I would Mm -hmm. like to continue Mm -hmm. having my job and not slap the man as he deservedly needs to be slapped. It's a war of attrition. Yeah. That's just Mm -hmm. life in Missouri. Mm -hmm. That's just life where I live. I understand that the context here is completely different in a sane place, uh, but I don't live in a sane place. I live here. Uh, So, yeah. This is what we got. Yeah. Um, Okay. Hey, uh, uh, ukulele uh, fucking Herzegovina. Yeah. Uh, Thanks so much for the Our best. Our best patron. Yeah. yeah, really. Thank you, not just for the question, but for all of your efforts. <laughs> and uh, on that note, I'm going to grab a beer, and we'll be right back for professional drinker, where we're going to dial up a menu for your upcoming driveway drinks. Spencer, what are you drinking? Before I tell you what I'm drinking, I, I just need to take a moment to call out what happened off the mic just now. Uh, I am about to sample beer 777 on this podcast, and I typed in the beer that I was going to drink. And Caleb was like, I think we've had that before. And I said, I don't think we have, but we have a beer database where we keep track of every beer, every rating, every style that we have tried. Mind you, this is beer 777. We drank the beer that I typed into the menu. It was beer 121. So rough math, it was probably six, seven months, maybe a year into doing this, which means it was conservatively almost three years ago that we drank that beer. And old Rain Man Stokes just happened to remember (laughs) we drank that beer one time. Hey, man, it goes in and it doesn't come out. I have never seen anything quite like that. That's the Caleb Stokes promise. Yeah, it is something else. (laughs) Um, anyways, uh, for actual beer 777, I will be drinking from Hitachino Nest, which is a line of Japanese-inspired beers that we have seen a couple of times now. Mm-hmm. I'll be drinking the Lacto, a sweet stout. Really? A su- yeah. A I, sweet stout? Yeah, I remember their uh, white ale. I think it had like an owl on the on the. Uh, yeah, he, that's, their, that's their logo. I, yeah. it's, it's very interesting to have mm-hmm. a stout coming from Hitachino Nest. The white ale was yeah. decent, but it was overpriced because it was like a ten dollar beer. You don't see a lot of Japanese stouts, or yeah. else not in the past. Yeah, their craft brewery scene is a bit behind ours. Well, I, I, I don't know. I just think they have different tastes. They, they make some fantastic shit. Well, they, they do. It's just they. Well, they don't have as many craft breweries. I guess. Yeah, I should yeah. say. I would tell you there's probably a reason that Japanese breweries might not be doing a lot of stouts. Um, <laughs> Or if this is maybe, the only uh, point yeah. of comparison, okay. maybe their 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 lack of experience in that category might be reflected in this beer. Um, it's not bad. Here, here's what it is: it's overly light, um, where it should be probably a little more heavy and viscous. Um, because it's light, especially on the back end, you don't get some of the roasty, malty thickness, creaminess, chocolateiness, whatever you expect out of a stout. Something a little bit guttural. Um, you do get a little bit of it on the nose and it just never quite takes off and it has a little bit of a tobacco to it. And so, um, like pipe tobacco. So, you know, it's fine. It's a three for me. Uh, it's a, it's a captain Mel Reynolds. Um, but, uh, I wouldn't buy it again. I don't mind it. It's fine. It's not bad. 
end of review of beer. Um, we're a professional drinker, and again, if you've not listened to the Mix 6 before, I just told you that we've now tried 777 beers across the scope of this grand podcast, and that qualifies us uh, by the by probably someone's definition of the word professional to make something like professional recommendations around beer. So in our professional drinker segment, what we do is we typically take a setting or a suggestion, and we try to build for you some beer thing to do. And in this case, uh, I've been inspired by what will likely be our only version of actually hanging out, uh, certainly as Caleb goes back to school uh, as a teacher, and that is what has become the kind of like COVID happy hour, aka sitting in someone's garage and or driveway, socially distanced from one another and drinking beers. And so- Oh, I bought a fan. Oh, thank God. I bought a fan to blow between us as we sit 15 feet apart in my garage. So we'll have sort of an air break- um, yeah, we have literally remodeled our sunroom in the back with new windows so that we could have people over and drink beer out there because it's like an outdoor room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so anyways, uh, we are programming for you by way of our beer concierge-ness, um, an evening of drinking. The, the term so, is concierge-osity. Excuse me. By way Sorry, of our beer concierge-osity. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, what you should start with for your driveway drink what you should drink in the middle to sustain, what we'll call a maintainer, and then what you should finish with for the evening to really cap off a nice event in someone's garage. Uh, so we're going to pick a starter, a maintainer, and a finisher. Uh, Ross, start us off. Uh, going back again to Boulevard, Cherry, Lime, uh, Radler. It's, it's, I, I fucking love Cherry. I fucking love Lime. Uh, it's, it's just great. It's, I, can't, I could drink all, them all day. I found the cherry lime to be overly sweet, if I'm being totally honest, especially as saccharine sweet as compared to the ginger lemon. Mm-hmm. But the Boulevard Radler series generally, I think, is a good place mm-hmm. for a driveway drink. I might put that in the maintainer category rather than the starter category. But okay, uh, Caleb, what do you start with? Well, I was going to go with ginger lemon, um, but okay. that's we had talked about that before. And this is a starter. Yeah, you want to you want to have something a little exotic at least for the home you're having a garage hangout in so i think i'd probably go cucumber crush Mm -hmm. it's a good starter it's light Mm -hmm. you're you're getting ready to go but also it's a vegetable you feel like you're getting your nutrients uh with that one you feel like you're you're going you're in it for the long haul i don't know i don't know i'm not a dietitian i don't know if that's true or not but the sensation is almost more important than the actual. No, I, I think it's true. You're going to drink regardless of the consequences. So you, you might as well fool yourself by drinking a mm-hmm. cucumber crush. It's delicious. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Um, I'm going to start off with something that I think in the past I would have described as a maintainer, a lighter ABV sour that you could probably drink more of, but I'm going to pick one of the more pungent tart sours that I don't think you actually want to drink a ton of as much as you want to enjoy the tartness or the sourness for a little while. And then you want to move to something a little more mellow. Uh, and so I'm going to pick uh, probably the Prairie Flare. And mm. I don't even know that Flare is produced anymore. I've not seen Flare. I think it's Which become, is a tragedy of our age. I think it's become like largely the base for a lot of their other sour blends. And, and most of the Prairie sour blends are great. Um, but flair for me was the OG great prairie sour and you just don't find it anymore. So if you can grab a bottle of player flair or a can of flair, I'd open with one or two of those. And then I'm going to suggest moving to something more mellow while you maintain. Speaking of maintenance, Ross, what do you maintain with? 
Uh, I'm actually going to go with a Deschutes cold coffee brew. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like a little caffeine. That That's definitely going to uh, perk Damn you Ross up. Ross is partying yeah. all night. <laughs> yeah. So, that's higher ABV, too, son. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's, I, I'm assuming I'm not driving home. Uh, why don't we just do vodka and red bull party animal damn yeah. Yeah. uh shit all right yeah. cool i'm not having a lot of these just like one or two and like that that's gonna be enough to get me go keep me going like for a while so uh but yeah that's definitely gonna be a maintainer like uh, uh middle of the party like i don't want to have it right at the beginning because then it's it's too much but like when i'm beginning to wear down a little bit that'll perk me back right back up so yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, as my bathroom scale and people with eyes can attest, I maintain by mass. Uh, so I want something I can drink an absolute redonkulous amount of. Metric ton. Uh, and that is, in this quarantine thus far, been Green Zebra. If I'm getting something not for the podcast just to swill, it's Green Zebra, that watermelon. I know I'm having a green theme but, um, you know, watermelon's a fruit, also healthy. It's basic. I'm basically planning a juice cleanse. Um, so uh, green zebra is what I'm going after for my bulk of consumption. Yeah, Still one of my five favorite beers of all time, and I don't know. I think cucumber crush and green zebra, zebra are the two most drinkable beers in the history of the world. And so I, I, as a maintainer in particular, I think this is a good pick. I'm going to make... Um, like the most Bush League pick in the history of the world. And that's because I'm opening with a sour I really love and I'm ending with a sour that I really love. And in the middle there, I don't want to continue to drink sours. Uh, I've done this. I've sat at Crooked Stave in Denver all day. At some point, you just go tongue deaf to everything and you can't (laughs) taste anymore. And so I'm breaking up my sour consumption so that I can enjoy, finish with this, this last beer that I'm very excited about. I will tell you this summer... I have had more fucking canned blue moon than I care to talk about. What? And, and I don't know what it is, but the blue moon. The fuck is wrong can, with you? Blue moon in a can is perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. Put what? a little orange wedge in there. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you here, man. I don't this know is beer seven hundred and seventy-seven, and you're gonna come on this fucking podcast and say drink blue moon out of a can? Yeah. Yeah. You fucking me. shit tongue deaf is right no god god damn right. right damn i told you i told it's look it's a quantity thing i can have 47 of them i'll feel <laughs> fine the next day uh i have really you're sitting outside it's probably a little hot uh it's kind of just water with a little orange peel in it i'm really enjoying blue moon and i can i'm not backing down on this I've, well, yeah, this has been the hot takes on ice that you got for free because I cannot think of a more nuclear take yeah. than like, you know, <laughs> we should drink Blue Moon, but in a can. The can has been insane. <laughs> Just madness. Can, the can's better. Blue Moon can is better than Blue Moon bottle. I don't know what to tell you. The fuck uh, is wrong with... Oh, my God. Anyway, Ross, save us from this. What? Ross, what's, what's your, your finisher? Finish? Um, fuck it. I'm definitely not driving after I have my prairie bomb. Uh, I'm just having one that's going to last me a while. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I fucking love prairie bombs. Uh, and yeah. Well, we know uh, who's having the worst fucking hangover. Fuck it. After this garage. I want to remember this party, Caleb. Uh, this hangout. It's, I could take, I'll take what I can get, you know. If pain burned in you like a scar after you. Get on at least I'll feel day. something, Caleb. At least I'll feel something. <laughs> Probably for this a day and age, I, I'll take what I can get, you know. Uh. 
gastrointestinal yeah. cutting a thing because i uh, think you've discovered it like it's like it's captain crunch but for the soul you know the, the the abv arc on ross's beer chart that night looks like missouri's covid numbers just, just straight up i'm only having uh, one but that's all i'll need i mean like yeah right yeah that, well uh-huh uh caleb what are you finishing with um i need something that's absolutely delicious that I should have hoarded entirely from myself. Okay. But I'm drunk and I, my friends are here and I'm so glad to see them. So I make like what is probably a bad economic choice and I break out the LaRouche. Yeah. Um, and that's a finisher. Um, and I'm, I'm going to regret giving you any the next day, but we will be brothers while we drink it. Uh, brothers and sisters, as I am drunkenly uh, sharing it amongst the group. So Side that's players. my finisher, something I share amongst the people that I later wish I could drink entirely by myself. Um, yeah. Um, I also went with uh, kind of a, a, a funky wild ale style beer. Uh, I did not go with the side project stuff, even though I probably that probably would have been my nature because I think that generally it's been some of the best beer we've had. But Close Companion and arguably... Brewery of the Year for Mix 6 2020. Um, Should we even Walkers. have one for 2020? Like, well, it feels know. like a yeah. fuck you to whatever brewery we pick. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we, we won't tag them on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Firestone Walker's uh, Breda Blanc, the oh, Wild so Ale good. with grape juice, white grape juice. Um, Firestone Walker makes some delicious beer of, of, any of, of those various thick, styles. Any of those thick neck Firestone Walkers are fucking well. They're fire. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah. they're unbelievable. And and uh, it, it's a big spin uh, in terms of cost. I understand that, and it's not for everybody. But if you are going to have one big expensive beer to to wrap up a night, that fire, Firestone Walker stuff is almost never a bad choice. I think I would actually prefer the Breda Tangerine. Of that oh, line, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think you can go wrong there. So yeah, 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 cool. Um, okay, well, enjoy our recommendations, particularly the Blue Moon in a Can for your dragway drink. And, oh God, uh, I hate you so much for this. Just... We've got one beer and a lot of friendship left. Uh, we'll be right back for drunk enough. Producer Ross, what are you drinking it if you can wrestle it from all those raccoons and their <laughs> grabby little hands? Uh, I'm drinking Left Hand Brewing's uh, Milk Stout Nitro, America Stout, apparently, according to the can or bottle. Sorry. Um, yeah, there's uh, Caleb's doing very good raccoon hands. Uh, it is a six. Not as good beer. as raccoons. Mm. Well, I'd hope not. Man, you got a goose in there from when you left. You got raccoons now. It's just a yeah. regular menagerie. Yeah. Eating all my bird seed. <laughs> Eating my bird seed. Um, yeah, there's a pair of them. Uh, it's a two. It tastes. It's just. It's just flat beer. I mean, it's yeah. yeah utterly stunned. We haven't done this. Also yeah. ran gray paste of a beer before. Man, welcome to is... nitro. It's yep. just flat beer. Okay, now that's. It's. I've had nitro in rest in restaurants. Views like of Spencer tap. Harris do not reflect this podcast. Like uh, I've yeah. had good nitros in the past. <laughs> I feel like I I, I I I could swear I've had good nitros before. But man, this is not it. This it's is just, <laughs> this is a this erases the memory of those. I, good yeah, nitros. I feel, like, <laughs> I 
feel like beer drinkers talk about nitros like a bunch of centrist Democrats talk about John McCain. You know what I mean? Like, ah, I, I used to like John. No, I remember a John McCain that was pretty liberal. But no one can actually tell me in nitro they like right now because they're not good beers. They're not good <laughs> beers, people. I see what okay. you're trying to do by confusing the issue between nitro and beer being delicious and centrist Democrats, and it's not going to yeah. work. I'm not going to okay. associate the two. Okay. I see what you're doing, Harris. Attempt. All yeah. right. Okay. I took a swing. I stand by <laughs> it. Uh, hey, we're in Drunk Enough, which is our segment where, in theory, we've had enough beer that we're weird to take. We're here to take on something weird or difficult. Um, this is none of those things. So, uh, look, I've been watching a lot of uh, old Bill Murray movies lately. I don't know why, but they're really relaxing, and I just love them. And also, I love Bill Murray. And not like Ghostbusters, which I just watch anyways, just because it's Tuesday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like, what about Bob and Scrooge and Groundhog Day? And there's definitely a theme in the late 80s, early 90s between Scrooge and Groundhog Day for Bill Murray, where the bit is like, if you, if you could do something over or you had the foresight to see that the thing that you were about to do wasn't going to be a good thing, what would you do differently? And it got me thinking about the Mix 6 podcast. We are now on beer 778, which means that at a minimum, we've done 778 topics, bits, conversations, whatever you want to call them. Uh, And so the question becomes, if you got to Groundhog Day, one of those bits or segments, so a part of the show, a rating system, uh, a, a whole episode if you wanted, what's a thing that you would do over and over again until you got it absolutely perfect? as a part of the mix six podcast. Hmm. I mean, hmm. I know, I know what we already did over and it's episode nine, episode nine, <laughs> the, That's right. the, the lost episode the, before the, I learned that no matter how bad your day is, you gotta be gyps and jabs and japes for the old podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't, don't record a podcast that sad. It's kind of how I feel about episode nine <laughs> yeah. and episode nine was morose. Uh, so or, we or do and hide it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Make a joke of it, make an episode nine two, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, let it live somewhere in the backlog lore of your four year old podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so we redid a whole episode. Totally agree. Um, so, like, for example, I thought I've been thinking a lot about this, uh, A, because I wrote the show notes, and B, because I've been watching a lot of Bill Murray rethinks his life movies. Uh, and my initial thought was I would redo the s'mores thing. Like, I wouldn't do the s'mores. <laughs> um, and that's partially just self-preservation, uh, because the amount of s'mores-related images conversations <laughs> harassment oh. and i mean that in the nicest way i have received over the last four years all self-inflicted by the way yeah uh has was really not an intended consequence and i i'm sure we've talked about this before but very literally on the drive over to ross's house caleb was like hey do you want to talk about s'mores or this other thing and i was like no oh, we can talk about s'mores and then i got drunk and oops And then I got to thinking, well, if self-preservation really is the bit here, what I'm trying to fix by way of redoing a thing, the thing that I would probably take back is, is suggesting that I was genuinely interested in getting, uh, genuinely interested in getting to know about anime. Uh, (laughs) I made a mistake. Uh, It's not that I wasn't and am not genuinely interested in watching anime. It's that I said it out loud. And, and if only someone on this podcast would have warned me not to say it out loud, uh, then two and a half years of my life would be drastically different. And I wouldn't own 
what is an unreasonable amount of anime anime by just just normal standards probably because people just started no. sending me anime. No. Um, it is a far below average amount of anime, buddy. <laughs> and that's even more terrifying. And that's um, what I told you would happen, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And it's not even to say that I haven't liked some of it. I've liked some of it very much. But oops. And here's my here's my runner-up pick. Um, I would redo my uh, hot dog toppings rating system, <laughs> and I, I'd go harder in the paint. Uh, uh, after watching people have visceral reactions to my take on ketchup and mustard, it made me realize I was not inflammatory enough. I should have been more flagrant in my attack on other hot dog toppings, because I think we probably could have gotten another two years worth of content out of that. I mean, that's the that's the monkey paw thing, though. You you say you want to get rid of the, the s'mores and the anime thing, but like, what what takes their something would take their place that in in their absence, like that the monkey paw curls up and like God knows what. That, I mean, you, do you want to be ranted about about hot dog toppings for the next two years on social media? Like, non unique already am, uh, yeah. and so it's like <laughs> I've just. I've kind of opened up a number of fronts here for which people can <laughs> criticize my tastes and or dump media on me. And uh, I'm just suggesting that maybe mm-hmm. if I took some of those fronts away, this would be a more controlled war. But mm-hmm. but you're probably right. Maybe it wouldn't just be a different war. Yeah. yeah, but I think what producer Ross is suggesting is that your 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 takes are so bad and so numerous. Okay, Stokes. <laughs> That, uh, not 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 my words. Not my words. That the current yeah. obsessions that the fans have over them mm. is really more about their capacity to understand the madness, right? And less about your capacity to have bad takes. Okay. And that really, if you eliminated that near infinite number of poor choices, right? right. Uh, there would merely be more that that assume their place. It, it, it's a okay. hydra of mm-hmm. a sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the bad of, takes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Cool. Thanks for that. I appreciate that point, producer Ross. I yeah. That's that's an interesting <laughs> thought. Yeah. Yeah. Ross, Ross, I really liked when you said that I had a Hydra-like approach to bad takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Shit I, move. Obviously, what I said. You cut one down, and two more arise yeah, yeah. in its place. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess the obvious thing with me would be our cider episode, wouldn't it? Uh, that yeah. Would be... <laughs> yes, it, yes, yes, it would. If we're, if, if we're talking about that, like, <laughs> bot support is a, is a thing. Yeah. So, For those of you that don't remember, producer Ross got so drunk during the cider episode that he couldn't finish the cider episode. So that was, <laughs> that was a pretty peak moment in podcasting. Also, let us not forget, producer Ross got so drunk during the cider episode but he may not have been the drunkest person in the room. That that medal may go to Sarah, who had to get up and leave the room for a while and then just came back very peak staring at us silently. <laughs> uh, and again, and we've had 778 beers on this. It was an episode in which we drank cider, hard mm-hmm. cider, a lot of hard cider. And we definitely did a couple shots of Fireball. Well, also Fireball because we were going right. to drink because yeah, we little abv ciders cider uh the fireball is probably where it went off the rails who can know, i don't really? know who can no know? one can say there were too many variables um i'd probably do more cider episodes <laughs> I'd do it all again <laughs> there's no time like that's the present cruel. that's cruel <laughs> i don't know uh geez it's not I appreciate what we do. I love what we do, but like, I don't think it's a thing that is loved or is uh, participated in by its creators. 
due to revision. I I, I mean, like, <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure I've said dumb shit because I was drunk, and I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Um, if that was the case, uh, I would redo that. But otherwise, like, if it's not good enough, I mean, by what by what standard? And if you're here now after all right. this time, there's a a quality is not the what you're looking for. You're looking for a certain, perhaps authenticity or levity or um, spontaneity or um, familiarity. Even right. uh, it's it's not the finely crafted product. We're not a map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no one has <laughs> ever. No one has ever simultaneously thought, "I wish they did that better," and then stuck around. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No shit. Like the second you think that, it, you're gone. And also, you probably left a mean comment on your way out. <laughs> you know, yeah. one episode I wish I, I would I would I'd be willing to redo just as many times as it took uh, the mixed beer episode, uh, where we got those. Uh, someone brought in the uh, pineapple, uh, well, like the lemon basil cider, and like oh, yeah. the uh, super oh, the spicy. beer cocktails. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the beer cocktails episode. Oh god, they they were so good. Those were delicious. The yeah. blends were great. Mm-hmm. And an episode I would redo any number of times because it was such a bad idea, and I'm glad we made it through it. Was uh, the the Burke episode with the Eclipse stouts? The fifty fifty brewing. We did six different like twelve percent stouts and drank it all was of them. Such a fucking nightmare. <laughs> they were the biggest bottles ever. They were like drinking oatmeal. It was just. And then we and we drank beforehand, and then we drank and then we went to the bar. Yeah. until uh, Burke fell asleep outside a brewery. In the park. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that yeah. that's the kind of stuff I would redo just to live it again. Like mm-hmm. yeah, uh, eternal return. Live as if live as if you got to do it forever, and that's an episode I would be fine doing forever because it yeah. was hilarious. Um. As we realized what a fucking shit terrible idea it was, around beer two, yeah, that's persisted, right. and then we were that far, and so you might as well go all the way. Right. Uh, that was only way uh, I was through. That was peak. Uh, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah, that was a good night. Uh, I'm curious from listeners if there's something that stands out to you as a segment you wish we did more of, or a segment that you go back to, or an episode that you go back and listen to. Uh, because it was an episode you really liked. Uh, I'm always curious, like, um, when I talk to people who say, like, well, I'm listening through the backlog again, and I think, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, is Caleb holding you hostage, and I didn't know it? Uh, you know, and that's that's fine, too. Um, hey, if you've not listened to us before, this has been the Mix 6 Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed yourself. This is pretty much what we do. And if you're a fan, there's a ton of other additional content from us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., there are now 69 plus this free episodes for you to listen to. And if you like this and want more content, check us out on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com. Look for the Mix It's podcast where we have an additional probably 100 some odd pieces of content between full length episodes and shorter mini episodes that we call Hot Takes on Ice uh, and Jury of Our Beers. We've also got a full season and a half of a role playing game that we ran, God, like two or three years ago. So there's a lot of Mix Six content out there on Patreon. Uh, if you like this and want to find out more about what we're doing, check out check us out on all the social medias. Go to Twitter at The Mix 6. You can also find us on Facebook, The Mix 6 Podcast. Uh, you can always check out our website, www.themix6.com. Some really great listeners, some friends of the show, a fiancé of a show member have done really cool things for us on YouTube. That's Y-O-U-T-U-B-E.com, not any of the other tubes. Just look for The Mix 6 Podcast. We've got a channel up there. And you can find us on Instagram. You know the name. 
If you're listening to us on a podcast streaming application you like it, don't forget to rate and review it. And we hope you're staying safe and healthy. We love you all so much. That's the longest outro I think I've ever done. I want to be done talking now. I'm <laughs> going to end the show by saying good night and goodbye.